AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app, and happy listening. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Chris Carr. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Chris. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by one of my newest friends in marketing, Chris Carr. Chris is the founder and CEO of Ferrotech, a digital marketing agency outside of Philadelphia. Hey, Philly. <laughs> he also hosts three different podcasts. And since early 2020, Chris has become a thought leader in the field of artificial intelligence, hosting workshops for companies around the company. Chris? Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is awesome. I can't wait. So a little bit of backstory. Chris and I actually met through Andy Crestadina. If you haven't listened to his episode, go listen. It's amazing. At the Maycon conference in the summer of 2023. And you're doing like fascinating things. So I'm really excited to chat with you today. Thanks. So first questions first, as you know, what made you jump into this crazy world of owning your own agency. Oh my gosh. I just had a dream and a vision and I knew exactly where I wanted to be in 20 years. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, what really <laughs> happened was, this is really bizarre, but you know, this was 1999. I just graduated college and I fell in love with this girl in college and we broke up and I thought because she was an artist that the way to win back her heart was to build a website where she could put all of her artwork on there. And so, yeah, I went and found a company and they said they were going to do it and they couldn't do it. And then I found another company and they couldn't do it. And I was like, ah, the hell with it. You know what? I'll go and do it myself. Six months later, I'm learning how to code and stuff like that. And I'm barely even remembering the girl anymore. Like at this <laughs> point, I'm building websites and, and doing all this like stuff. And one client turned into a, a second client, second client turned into the need to hire employees. And, and, you know, here we are 22 years later with payroll that gives me heartburn and <laughs> you name it. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. But I really like that story. What a cool story because I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. But as they say, every relationship is a stepping stone to something else, right? Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't even know that I exist at this point. And yet <laughs> she didn't know that she was the origin of this madness. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we should find her and let her know like what she helped birth because it's so cool. That's right. So tell everybody what kind of clients you serve. So just so they can kind of understand what agency you have, what kind of agency you have and what kind of agency owner you are. Well, I started Fairtech 22 years ago. We're a full service agency. We are platinum partners with HubSpot. 
And what we help clients do essentially is build systems that generate leads, nurture leads into clients, and then convert those clients into like raving fans of your, your brand, your products, your service, your mission, your values, and all that stuff like that. What we find is, is that there's just a lot of businesses that either don't even have the time or the expertise to scale a system. So what we do is, is we say, hey, you know what? We're not going to take the job of your marketer. We're going to make that person the quarterback. And we're going to be the team that applies some strategy and some execution so that you can scale effectively. Yeah, I like that a lot because I think a lot of times we were just talking about this on another episode where companies just don't know what they want sometimes. And so you kind of have to help lead them to a place that gets them to the goal without knowing exactly what that path is to get them there. So it makes total sense what you do. And when you and I were talking on our pre-call, you told me that you have a 10-week discovery period, which I was like, I'm sorry, did you say 10? (laughs) And you were like, yeah. So let's dive into why you think this helps make you so successful. And what's the significance of that longer time period in creating some of those long lasting client relationships that you have? So what we were finding is just that I would sell a project and we'd be so anxious to get our hands dirty that we would rush through discovery and just try to get into the guts of the account and we would work the account and be really great. And then you get a year into it and you say, well, this is where we'd like to go next year. And these are the things. And our account managers and our team would be like, dude, like if we knew you were going to go there, our whole strategy would have been different. Now we got to back the bus up to make sure that we can scale and do things effectively. If I'm going to help you scale, I'm really going to need to know your goals, your visions, your desires, where you're going to go, what you want to sound like, what your target audience is, all of that stuff. So then we said, well, why don't we just do it in the front and discovery? And then what we found is, you know what? If I go and do all this stuff to just know about you and as a client, there's not enough time to do the actual stuff. And so we just made a hard call and we said, hey, you know what? When everyone is asking for, hey, can you give me a quote for a campaign? In some ways we say, no. <laughs> we say, look, I'm going to give you a quote for a gap assessment. And the gap assessment allows five members of my team to like like red blood cells dive into your brand, into your business and figure out all the nooks and crannies to basically develop a three to five year roadmap to figure out what technologies you need, your tech stack, how you're going to communicate, all the deliverables you need. And we're going to say, hey, if you want to grow by 10 million, how many leads does it take to get to 10 million? Then I'm going to say, how many visits does it take to get a lead And therefore, I know how much visibility you need to get to $10 million. So we back into it, but we turn marketing into a numbers game. And because we do that, when you're making data-driven decisions and you're backing it up, we've had like a 97% retention rate for the last 10 years. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's been great. So the only reason why we would lose a client is if they're a SaaS company and they lose their venture capital funding if they get bought by somebody else, or sometimes if they get a different point of contact or a different marketing manager that wants to bring in their own agency. Other than that, we are an extension of your staff and we're a partner with you. And we take that very seriously. Let's pull on that a tiny bit because I'm like, my noodles over here baking. And I'm like, okay, so if I call Chris, you know, I call you and I'm like, we want to work with you. We want to become your client. You're like, okay, great. We have a, do you call it like a 10 week discovery process that we do? And we can't give you any pricing or plans forward until we do that. And then is that like its own little project? And some companies may like get that from you and then go away. But then a lot of them obviously stick with you because you know how to implement. Yep. And what it is, it's a synergy test. And so the first thing I want to do is I want you to know what it's like to work with our agency and our organization. 
it's also going to peel back the layer that you cannot do for yourself. And what I mean by that is, is that there's so many really great things bouncing in between the, the ears of the people in your organization, but nobody has the time to say, hey guys, let's stop our job and let's all put it down on paper and figure all of this stuff out. Nobody does that internally. You need to be a, a third party participant to come in and say, whoa, hey, sales, you're doing this, marketing, you're doing this, operations, you're doing this. Are you ever asking why? Do you know each other? Can you anticipate each other's moves? Can you do all these things? You know, what is your target audience and how are we going to reach them? How is technology going to change the landscape of what you're doing? All of this stuff has to get figured out. But because you, the organization, are so busy making the donuts that you are living in a complete reactionary mode. And so you got you to pump the brakes and you got to measure twice to cut once. And if you do it right, you can develop a three to five year roadmap that's not set in stone, but it's going to clearly show all the deliverables and all the things you need to do to get there but it's nimble enough to scale as your needs change or as technology changes. That makes total sense. And also, just as an aside, white powdered donuts are my kryptonite. Donuts in general, <laughs> let's just say, but particularly the white powdered ones. And then my follow-up question there is, okay, so you've got, you kind of mentioned all these things that you go through. Does that happen? Like, does each week have its own you know, a project and goals to achieve to to equal out that whole big thing on the the end of the 10 week period? And can you are you open to telling us like what those weeks look like? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a book. It's going to be about a 150 page book that we try to outline everything that we that we see. And we're going to look at your messaging. We're going to look at your target audience. We're going to look at your current setup, whether you're using automation, whether you're using analytics or whatever that is. Then we're going to look at automation and scaling. And then finally, from an analytic standpoint, how we want to tie it all together and how we're going to be able to figure out your KPIs and your goals so that we can get all this stuff organized and we can all look at each other in the eyes and say, these are our agreed upon goals. So that if you're not reaching your goals, I'm not going to sit in front of you and be like, but I got you more Facebook likes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So in that, you talked about analytics as the final step. Are you building like dashboards and reporting systems for these clients? Or I guess, are you working inside of their tools to do this? I have so many questions, but like, tell me about that last part because analytics is obviously very important to what you do and what a lot of marketers do. Well, I think a lot of the times we go in and a lot of their analytics isn't set up correctly, you know, and specifically some of the customizations you can do in Google Analytics. And HubSpot is one of those things where, they bought a Ferrari and they drive at 10 miles per hour. <laughs> so the first things we have to do on day one is get all of the hooks set up right so that we can actually analyze and come to you and say, this is what we have seen. This is what we believe. This is what you're actually doing. And if we can figure out a cost per acquisition model from what you have, this is phenomenal. If not, we have to build a cost per acquisition model in the first 90 to 120 days so that you know what it costs to get a client, CPA, cost per acquisition. We got to figure that out because otherwise we're, we're, we're chasing a moving target. How much of, I mean, between you and me and everyone who's watching or listening, how much of that is a challenge? Because it sounds like, I mean, I would love for all of my clients to know what their CPA is, but hardly any of them do. So is that like a, a pretty 
big challenge? It is so, so, so easy for me because I just get my team to do it. <laughs> I love it. I, I make big it. promises and I'm like, get on it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It, it can be hard. The, the easy slam dunk ones are advertising. Money in, money out, and so on and so forth. The attribution things are things like SEO. Yeah. And are these things ranking and, and if these things are an annuity, how do they sort of pay off? But eventually what we're really trying to do is we're trying to figure out of your database, what is the engagement score that they have? How often do they come back? And if they come back, what are the key triggers that they're doing to actually convert? If I know and I can look back at your last five clients and I can look at your acquisition model to get them, I can start to make assumptions based upon the past journey, if your HubSpot was set up correct, to say, look, this is the ideal buyer's journey. And now that I know that, we can look at your database and say, hey, you know what? These individuals have a lead score of a 25. Now that I've set up a rubric, you know, you're not as close as you think. Or some of these people that just need to be warmed up so that they'll convert and you're not as far away as you think. Awesome. I love the process so far. So let's talk about client expectations, right? On the other side of those processes, yep. how do you convince, right? I'm going to use the word convince instead of explain because a lot of times I feel like what we do is convincing people. How do you convince your clients that these key elements that you're talking about and these processes that are talking about is going to ensure not only that smooth onboarding, but all of the things that you're promising with like CPA and capturing leads and whatnot? Well, ultimately it's, it's educated guessing. And what I mean by that is, is that we have best practices that we've done for clients over the last 22 years. We're going to look at your information to try to make data-driven decisions. But ultimately, until we develop a message and sort of push it, push it out into the, in, you know, into the world wide web and measure it, we can't, we don't entirely know. Right, you know? right. And so un unfortunately you don't know what you don't know. But what I'm saying is, is I have technology tools to track it like very few companies on the planet. I've also learned, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, meaning I've been doing this for 22 years and I, I know sort of what works in certain industries and I can show what worked, why it works and the data to support that. We try to say, hey, trust the process. And you'd be surprised at how many companies are just not doing foundational things. And sometimes all it really takes is some inertia on some foundational marketing to see big, big results. It's not always the home runs that are going to change things. It's, it's building systems that you're hitting singles and doubles consistently, proactively, and transparently. When you have all that in order, it's simple, but it's not easy. Right, right. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down and I'm sold. But like, what happens if you're kind of, you know, telling me, telling a client, I should say, what you're telling me have you encountered skepticism or pushback from clients regarding that length of time or that depth of process and giving you access to all the things? And if so, how do you address those concerns when you come across them? Well, I think in the discovery process, I have to figure out what your goals are. And then what we try to say is, is that if we did nothing, are you going to reach your goals? If you are going to reach your goals, then you don't need us. If you're going to do that and you only get to the 40% mark, what's the cost? What's the stakes if you don't get that additional 60%? Okay. So my goal is to figure out that margin in between. So if it's going to take a little bit longer, the problem or the consequences of not getting that additional 60% are still there. So my question is, everything that we're planning to do, I'm going to give you data to back up what we're doing, but I'm going to pass it across the table and we're going to decide together. So if I'm wrong, 
you, Mr. Klein or Mrs. Klein, you're also <laughs> wrong because we, we made this choice together. This is a little bit of a marriage. My job is to just get you as much information as possible using cutting edge technology tools to decide what to do next. Push back against you if we feel like you're, you're way out on left field and then just give you as much information as possible to make educated decisions. And usually the marriage between really great data and just businesses that really know their clients, their craft and their sauce, usually really great things happen. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many times on the show we've brought up the ICP or the ideal customer profile and how important that is. And I think, you know, if I were to sum up all of the episodes that we've had from start to today, almost Mm -hmm. every person has said one of the keys to success is that ideal customer profile, really understanding who you're serving. So I think that's one framework that I'm hearing you talk about. I've heard you mention HubSpot, but are there any other tools, frameworks, or methodologies that you're willing to share with those who are watching or listening that you use during the discovery phase to kind of collect insights or data, uh, their target audience, their marketing environment, et cetera? The easy thing for me to say, whether it's in discovery or whether it's whatever it is, it's AI technologies. But some of the ones, if you're just at home and you want to write some of this stuff down for buyer personas, uh, we'll go into SparkToro and BuzzSumo to try to marry what you're telling us verbally. We write it down in a spreadsheet. We ask all these demographic questions. And then we match that with something like SparkToro. SparkToro will tell you the influencers in your industry, what podcasts they listen to, what target audiences. basically gives you from an analytics standpoint, all of the other, the nooks and crannies that you don't hear in that average buyer persona meeting. So that's one that we do. We'll use usability conversion analysis, which is basically heat mapping to measure where are people going? Are they scrolling far enough? What are they clicking on? If they watch a video, we'll use Wistia to figure out how long they're watching some of those videos. We use SEM Rush and HubSpot to track your SEO and your marketing automation. We will use tools like Agora Pulse or HubSpot to look at how your social media is, is kind of working together. We'll use Google Analytics and HubSpot for analytics. And then for programmatic advertising, we use a, a company called Stack Adapt, which we're certified for. I love Stack Adapt. Well, thank you for sharing all of those tools. I'm very familiar with a lot of the tools. And when you talk about heat mapping, is that like a tool like Hotjar or an, a different tool that you use? We use Crazy Egg. We use Neil Crazy Patel's, Egg. Okay. Uh, Perfect. So, I mean, you just mentioned like, I don't know, six to eight different tools. So I hope everybody was listening and wrote that down. And I know we're not going to go fully into AI with this talk because we're talking about this discovery period that you have. But let's touch on AI a little bit, because I know that's a passion of yours. I know that you're doing a lot of work with AI right now. So whether you mentioned the tools or just like maybe some of the methodologies that you're doing with AI to figure some of this stuff out, would you just talk to us a little bit about that? So one of the things I was laughing about, what we're talking about is is that I'm 45 years old and after 35 years out of school, I'm finally back in school again. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my certification for generative AI at MIT. Amazing. And let me tell you, I'm so far out of my league. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is like, I think we all are, Chris. <laughs> I am so used to being the, the slick talker guy who knows what he's talking about. And these nerds have it got it going on. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's virtual. So I'm rewinding and they never say the same things twice. And so it compounds on each other. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to take a nap when I get done this. It is so freaking intense. But it's also crazy. So what I'm able to do is all these like things that are coming with AI, 
I marry that with the things that I'm teaching in my presentations. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I really have a cool story to share with AI. So I'll give you some use cases. And then I'm also going to give you some crazy things like, oh my gosh, I never thought this would happen, but it's going to happen. And we're <laughs> I love your scare voice, by the way, because that's exactly. pretty much what I sound like. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app, and happy listening. General use cases, there's three things. One is called chat priming. With chat priming, when you use ChatGPT or some of these other programs, it's prone to hallucinate, which basically means it makes stuff up. So what we do is we create a super document of our testimonials, our case studies, our interviews, every single thing about the brand. We put it in this super long document. And then we go to a, an AI tool called Claude, which is by Anthropic. It's very, very similar to ChatGPT. And you, what you can do is you can upload that document into Claude and say, hey, rather than you doing all your AI magic, which could have hallucinations in it, when you go and develop content for us, reference all of this pre-approved content that's in the super document. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. So hallucinations are cut way down. My statistics are pre-approved. They're not making them up in thin air you know, stuff like that. So that's what I tend to do. And that's called chat priming. Okay. The next one, it used to be called code interpreter. It's also now called advanced data analytics. You can upload spreadsheets, data sets, whatever into code interpreter, which is part of the paid version of ChatGPT, And you can talk to your data in natural language prompts, which is really cool. Cause I can, you know, I can ask things that Google analytics could tell me, but where I take it to the next level is I do exports of all of my softwares and all my pull from all my APIs. I put that into a super spreadsheet. And now rather than talking about one client at a time, I look at all 26 of my clients at a time and I'm saying, I'm seeing anomalies in, in client one. Am I also experiencing that in my other healthcare clients? What about my manufacturing clients? You know, is it, what yeah. about clients that have this project manager or what about clients that have a website that's only two years old and so on and so forth. So it's, it's amazing. It's like having a, a master's level data scientist right there and you can just talk to them. It's crazy. And then my last theory, and you heard it here first, this is my vision for where MidJourney is going. All right. You, you're familiar with MidJourney? You, yes. You say a prompt. If you're not, check it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you say a prompt and then it basically turns it into an image. Runway ML turns it into a video. But here's where I actually believe that it's going. Because I'm in programmatic advertising, I have access to something that's called like context or content AI, which basically means that it looks at everything that you ever looked at before. It doesn't know that it, Chris Carr did it, but it knows that my device ID did it. So it knows everything about me. Facebook's going to know the same thing. It's going to know everything about you. So here's what's going to happen is, is that we buy from people that we know, like, and trust. But who do we know, like, and trust better than anybody else? Ourselves. <laughs> Ourselves. So these ads that you're going to see are going to have shocking similarities to what you look like. If you have kids and you value your kids, these ads are going to have 
pictures of people that look like you with kids that might look like your kids and so on and so forth. Everything will be super hyper personalized. So the future of generative art is not to make pretty unicorns or to make a better Indiana Jones movie. It's literally to get the right message to the right client at the right time. That looks like you. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> Scary <laughs> voice. Scary voice activate. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that was fascinating and I love it. But let's let's turn our attention back to the discovery period because I'm sure all of that wonderful stuff happens maybe afterwards. But how have you as an owner of your agency, someone who's like a visionary and at the forefront and in the future of where you're going with all these cool things you just talked about, how has that 10-week discovery process evolved over time based on feedback, challenges, successes? And what do you think you've learned from this 10-week discovery? I think that the first thing that you do is, is that if you come with an agenda, me, the agency comes with an agenda, we're not going to have our listening ears on. And so much great, valuable content is sitting between the ears of a CEO who's been in that chair for 20 years or a senior project manager or even the sales team, all right? I work with a large fintech company in just outside of Philadelphia and I did one of the sessions and I introduced myself and this is Bob and he's in sales and this is Marcia, she's in marketing and the weirdest thing happened. After I shook their hand, <laughs> they shook each other's hand. Oh no. They didn't know each other. Uh-oh. <laughs> they didn't know each other. And I was like, if I did nothing else, the fact that you guys don't know each other and this is the first time you've ever been in the same room at the same time is a massive sales and marketing integration disaster. It's a, cal <laughs> it's a calamity at best. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what have I learned? I learned to be this third-party arbitrator that can get really smart people in the room. And sometimes they're literally throwing mud at each other, but it's great. It's wonderful. It's challenging norms. It's, it's getting stuff that's in between people's ears on a wall. Like I showed you this marker board room over here. Yes. So cool. We draw a straight line. We say, when a lead comes in right here, what do you have next? Well, we have an FTA. Well, what did you do to schedule that first time appointment? What communication materials did they get? How early can I get a cookie on their computer? How early can I get them retargeting in case critical members don't show up? What are you going to accomplish in that meeting? What are you going to accomplish after that meeting? What drip marketing materials are not going to get in the way of sales, but you need to make sure that they have? What videos do they need to watch? What, you know, and I basically outline from left to right everything that could possibly happen from an opportunity to a close to them giving you a referral. And these are marketing bullets in a gun that have to be created so I can enable your sales guys to just, do, you know, to just execute more effectively. Let me pick on that a little bit. It sounds like the salespeople will absolutely love you and be like, oh my God, Chris is the best. But do you ever get any pushback from the marketing people or do they love you just as much? No, 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 no. It's, it's sometimes sales don't like me. <gasps> I, so salespeople feel like marketing people are out of touch and we're all the same. Marketing people feel like salespeople are completely rogue and they just, <laughs> no matter how many times I give you an SOP or basically a branding statement, you're like, you're going to sell a red hammer and you're like, we sell cars here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Right. They have to be in a scenario where both of them understand that if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got. And so if that's only going to get you to the 40 yard line, something's dramatically is going to have to change or you're not going to get profit sharing, or you might get left in the dust. 
So we get to come in as a, a little bit of a person who can stand in the middle and like hear from both sides, like a marriage counselor. And in the most ideal sense, they have a lot of ways that they can really work together better, but they just have never been in the same room at the right time to organize all this stuff. I have a slight request. I think you need to change your LinkedIn headline to marriage counselor between sales and marketing because that is such (laughs) a great analogy. (laughs) It's so good. Oh, it's so awesome. Okay, so what happens when the discovery phase finishes? They get this 150-page book, and then how do you ensure that there's a smooth transition between them getting that book? Do they read the book? Do you go over the book together? And how do the insights from that discovery period and that book translate into the next strategic and and tactical plans? Great question. Well, the first thing is, is the book, the front five pages of the book is like a marketing scorecard. And the scorecard is going to look at every facet that was covered in the book And we're going to grade your current marketing and your future initiatives in red, yellow, or green. It's almost like a dashboard. And every single month and quarter by quarter, we take out that scorecard. And we're going to say, look, we did those initiatives. I think we can go from yellow to green or red to yellow. And you're going to see those stoplights basically changing colors. The CEO, a lot of times, he gets this marketing thing started. And then he goes out and does what CEOs do. But I'm able to give him a dashboard to say, look, these are how the colors are changing. Sometimes we give a video summary to say what we saw. And you know what I mean? So that's sort of the main thing I need to do is first I need to get a dashboard so that we're all in agreement of what, you know, what knobs we're going to be turning and when. The next thing I have to do is I put out a Gantt chart that says, look, let's say hypothetically I won and I just turned on a switch and you now have a million visits to your website. Do you want that? Because right now your messaging is horrible. And if they come once and they bounce off, they might not ever come back. In fact, you can actually do more damage by good because you're just not ready to embrace the traffic. Right. Other things that happen, and this happens all the time, and this is, I'm stealing this from Andy. We sort of worked on it together and he's just so much cooler than I am at explaining complex things simply. But here's the kind of analogy that we did. So many companies are like, we need more leads. We need more leads. We need more leads. And I'm like, well, you have a bucket and the bucket has holes in it. And for some reason, you are convinced that you need more water. You're really <laughs> you know good I mean? at analogies. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Branding is the holes that we basically, it's the mud that fills all those holes that keeps all of your leads knowing what's going on and it retains the client. Yeah. If I could crush it for you, but all of the leads are just pouring out the sides, you might fire me. And I'm like, I wasn't the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's pick on that a little bit and pull that thread because I think that happens a lot, right? In marketing, sometimes we get in trouble or let go or fired as the agency because of someone else's problem. You're saying that this dashboard and my other follow-up question, sorry, I have so many questions happening at once, but this dashboard that you have with like green, yellow, and red, is this like a real-time dashboard so I can see obviously where those holes are, those reds or those yellows? And then as they turn to green, obviously my bucket gets fixed and I've got all these leads slash water. Yep. It's a cutting edge proprietary technology called Google Sheets. I think I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, literally, it's just rows on spreadsheets, but you know, it's going to say what the initiative is, the status of it, 
what are the initial efforts we need to do? What are the goals and expectations? What are the KPIs? And where do we think it could scale to? All of that stuff is there. Oh, I'm sorry, also the deliverables needed to basically move it from red to yellow, yellow to green. You yeah. know what I mean? So every initiative is on the spreadsheet and we just chip away at it in a way that's ideally strategic. You know, branding first, lead generation second, and then scaling, scaling third. Yeah. And there are people who are watching and listening who are agency owners like myself and like you. And they're probably still sitting here saying 10 weeks, 10 weeks. So <laughs> can you give us the overall value or the impact that this has had on your agency, especially in comparison to your competitors who may say like, oh, we only need a week. Yep. Trust barrier is the biggest one. And what I mean by that is, is that it's a synergy matchup. But if you give me 10 weeks, I have a ton of time to talk to you to convince you on why our strategies work, the data behind every argument, to put my my flag in the ground about your brand, and so on and so forth. If you don't have the 10 weeks, critical stakeholders in the organization you're selling to are not in your standard marketing meetings. And so therefore, you'd have to convince the marketing person, and then the marketing person has to go up the chain and get that message all the way up to the top of the food chain. And you know what? It's like the game of telephone. Like all the first person has to do is like, well, why do you do that? And they're just like, well, I don't know, but Chris said it was a good thing to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 10 weeks allows me to have exposure to critical stakeholders. And we can just say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what we think is going to happen if it works. And this is how we're going to pivot if it doesn't. Yeah. So it's just a matter of really, it's time. It's time spent. Because if if you're doing a pitch for a three-week discovery, you may be talking to the you know marketing director or the CMO, let's just say. But after that 30-minute phone call, hour, a couple of hours, you're passed on to the team who's going to implement, right? So you have very little time with the stakeholders. So what you're saying is the biggest takeaway I'm getting is the more time you have with those stakeholders, the more chance you have of building that trust, closing that deal, but then keeping that deal because you've already done the trust work on the upfront. And there's a value prop that I'm like, you're going to pay me sixteen dollars to $18,000 for this assessment. So they say, well, damn, I'm, if I did that, I better show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I paid for it. I'm going to reference it as opposed to the discovery that was baked into the normal bag of tricks that every marketing ha- company has. I mean, let's face it. Like if I, in the old way, hi, I'm Marsha. I'm a potential client. Here's the deal. I have to speak with three marketing agencies and I'm going to pick the one in the middle. All right. I would like you to go to SEM Rush and Google Analytics and find anything to make a critical argument that every marketing agency has. And then you're going to do it. And if I like your proposal and your price better, and I feel like, you know what, Chris seems like an honorable and a nice guy. That's how I'm going to pick him. I'm like, you know, I mean, like that was what I did for 10 years, you know, come off, try to come off charming, likable, use my, use the same five jokes I use every time which I still use, but they don't know. That. <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense. Like now you've got me noodling. I'm like, oh man, this sounds so good. Brave. You got to be brave. What I mean by that is if you don't buy it, maybe you're not the white for me. And like, I've had people like, well, I'm not buying. I'm like, come back. <laughs> Please come back. Scare boys, activate. <laughs> but, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, my team is like, no, man, you know what? If they don't see it on day one, they're not going to see it on day 90 and they're not going to see it on day 365. And these aren't the companies that are going to be with us in five years. Let's work with clients that get it. And so that's what we did. 
this is not a quick fix. If you want a home run, go down the street. I hit singles and doubles and I win ball games. I love it. Okay, so last question. Everybody who's listening, watching, including me, what pitch would you give us, right? If we're considering adopting this style of an extended discovery process, what's your best advice or your best pitch for like winning us over and making us really seriously do the thing? My suggestion is you absolutely don't do it because then I won't be unique. <laughs> Great pitch. <laughs> exactly. uh, no, my, my suggestion is if you lead with data, if you can't make data-driven arguments to your clients, they're only going to believe your hunches. Or maybe some, Bonnie told me that Fairtech would be a great place to come. And then that trust barrier can fade very quickly. But if you lead with data, if you make data-driven arguments and you say, hey, you know what? Even if I fail you, I'm going to tell you the, your analytics of what's working and what's not. And we're going to work on it together. If you just go in transparent and trust the data and trust the process, Mr. Client, we're going to get there. I, I, I don't know. Like I've been doing this for 22 years and we don't fail very often. So trust the process. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's a correlation between your 10 week discovery process and the fact that you have like a 97% retention rate? Do you think there's a correlation there? It's not even close. That is it. I won them in the, in the first 10 weeks. Yeah. You know, and then everything else was just convincing them is like, I'm not a vendor. I am the extension of your team and your next hire is going to be a full-time administrator that's going to work on your team with my team to get better results. But you're not going to have to hire another CMO at 120000 a year. And you're not going to have to buy $7,000 a month worth of software because I already bought that for you. All of these things is like in that 10 weeks, I'm like, this is what you bought, but this is what you didn't have to buy. And this is what you'll never have to buy. Yeah. I love the pitch. You've won, you've won me over. <laughs> So other than the MIT super smart, amazing certificate that you're working on for AI, what else are you working on? Where can people find you? How can they get to know you? Because it's been a short time since I've known you, but I've loved getting to know you. So tell everybody else how they could do it too. Well, hit me up at info at Here's what I believe. AI is going to hit Earth like a meteoroid or an asteroid. And so many businesses are just simply not ready for it. So what I do is there's no heavy sales pitch at the end of this, but I give an hour-long presentation on, they call it AI Today, the state of AI, where, where it's at, where it's going, and how you can be prepared. That's what I do, and it's for any business that's willing to listen to me. All right, it's almost like a mission of mercy because I'm just finding that companies are so woefully unprepared. If you hit me up at infoferritech.com, I would be happy to give that presentation to your organization. The next thing I'm trying to do is we're going to be launching our next podcast, which is called businessinnovations.ai. And this is where I give you the lowdown on how to implement AI into your business. But about 60 to 70% of what I talk about is marketing. And then any favorite social sites that you visit or want people to connect with you on? Or are you not much on social? No, I mean, um, hit me up on LinkedIn. And my YouTube channel is the number one thing that I'm trying to grow. Digitalmarketingmasterclass.io. That is the podcast that Andy Crestedina and I co-host. He shocks the world and I just... Tag along like a little brother. <laughs> Andy, you're so smart. Oh, everyone has a love for Andy. That There's no denying that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your process. Really, like you're, you kind of wrote it out the blueprint for us. So thank you. I appreciate the honesty and showing us how to do it, not just why to do it. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon, Chris. Thank you. That sounds great. Thanks for listening. 
If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, tag SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.